0: Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason.
1: Hey, welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason. we got a good show today because we've got a good friend of mine, Bruce Turkel, if you keep up with me on social media, you might see interactions between me and Mr. Bruce Turkel. And when we get done together with our time today, I would encourage you to check out his stuff at Bruce Turkel, that's T-U-R-K-E-L.com. He's a branding guy. He had his own ad agency in Miami for over 30 years, sold it. He does what I do for a living. He speaks at corporate events all over North America and even internationally should the need arise. He writes books. His latest book is called All About Them. And he's going to help you with your brand. In fact, he's got one big overriding theme you're going to hear a lot of today, and that is quite simply that you probably focus on your function. As a small business person, as a business owner or entrepreneur, solopreneur, we tend to focus on our function. And he's going to say, it's not about your function. You've probably got that down. The world doesn't need to know more about your function if you are doing it. They need to know about your brand. Brewster Kell, welcome to the show. Thanks, Damian. Well, did I accurately depict you? I should also point out, University of Florida graduate, I guess, Ed, ran his own business for 30-some-odd years, sold it, and now he's sort of in a, uh, we won't say semi-retirement. Because no, that's we will not. A, we'll say fully blown, still working, writing books, speaking, uh, consulting, and uh, he's no longer that. And by the way, he's not just somebody that had an ad agency, meaning that he penciled out a couple of uh, uh, business card for somebody. His clients include the city of Miami, Florida for tourism, uh, Bacardi Rum. Uh, he's been around. and He's going to help you with your brand. So, Bruce, tell me what most people screw up on. You know, I've got small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. What do they, where do they screw
0: up? So, one of the issues that I'm seeing is that the world has changed drastically in the last few years, but all of us have been so busy running our businesses, we didn't actually pay attention. And so, what's happening is, We are firmly now in the 21st century, but we're using a 20th, hell, a 19th, 18th, or 16th century mindset when we try to tell people what we do. And that is that we actually tell people what we do. I mean, just think, if you and I were to meet at an event, if we didn't know each other, we shake hands. First thing you do is say your name. I say my name. If we're civil and polite, the next thing you do is you say, how are you? And then we give some answer that nobody listens to anyways. Fine, thanks, how are you? Fine, thanks, none of us care. And the third question that we always ask, or the third thing we say, rather, is what do you do? And then you list your function. You say, well, I do a lot of work. I speak at conferences, and I speak on businesses. I sp- used to specialize in the agriculture business. I've now expanded that out. Or I would say, well, I was an art director, and I built an ad agency, and I worked for Bacardi and Hasbro, and on and on and on. What do you do? And if you think, if this was the 1500s, we'd meet each other. And as soon as we said our names, you would know what i do. Sure, I'm Miller. I'm, I'm
1: Mason, that means exactly. I put up bricks. Or I'm Miller, that means I make bra- grain. Or I'm Baker.
0: Right. Or I'm Carter, I move products. Or if I was German and I'm Goldstein, it means I'm a goldsmith. So it was all about function. But here's where the world changed. Over the last 10, 15, 20 years, because of computerization, because of globalization, because of the democratization of information, because of the internet, Function has become cost of entry. Today, everything works. Don't take that to a fairly well. If you're not good at what you do, you got a problem. If you're not a good dentist, if you don't run a good restaurant, if you don't know how to weld metal, if you don't know how to actually fix cars, then you can't be a doctor, a dentist, a mechanic, whatever. But once you do, stop talking about it. People take it for granted. They don't need you to perform a function. They need you to do something different. And that's where everything has changed. And that's where you have to change your messaging. Stop talking about yourself. Start talking about your consumer.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we used to think, it's the old thing, sell the sizzle, not the steak. And and now we're even, that's even antiquated as all hell because, yeah, it used to be, here's this steak, here's this steak, here's this steak. Oh my God, it's a great steak. Oh, it's a black Angus steak. Oh, it's a choice steak. Oh, it's a grass-fed black Angus choice steak that also was petted by a... Now it really comes down to, great, you're you're doing all that. But at some point, it's not even the sizzle and it's not even the steak. It's what's this do for me? And so I would say we need to tell the story that makes it about them, which is of course the, the title of your book, All About Them. But where is it that we, we still get screwed up or we're hanging up, hanging up too much on function?
0: Well, it's exactly what you said. If we're a steakhouse, we talk about the steak. But here's the problem, at least if you're in a, in a, well, you know what, I was about to say, if you're in a big city, but it doesn't matter anymore because even small towns today have lots of great restaurants, I can get a good stake in a lot of places, so we gotta go a step further. What does your consumer care about? Does your consumer care about the environment and sustainability? Some do, some don't. Does your consumer care about health? Some do, some don't. Does your consumer care about going into a restaurant where they can demonstrate their affluence because they're paying too much for a product? Some do, some don't. There's no right answer, but the correct answer is clearly Understand your customer. More importantly, understand your potential customer. Understand who they are and how they define themselves by their product choices, by their consumption. We used to say you are what you eat, but today we say you are what you consume. We tell the world who we are, why we matter, by the products and services that we consume. And if you do that, if you cater to that, you will find that your consumers build a very different relationship with you than simply if you are a steak restaurant, a dry cleaner, an electrician, a bookstore, or whatever.
1: This is interesting. Uh, As you know, I speak a lot to agricultural organizations because of my background in agriculture, and I tell them all the time, you still are communicating how productive you are. You love to tell the world how many bushels of soybeans you got out of a field or how many pounds you put on a steer on a feed yard in Nebraska, and the reality is the consumer doesn't care because, first off, they don't even know what those things mean because they haven't raised a steer in Nebraska nor a bushel of soybeans, but also production doesn't matter much anymore because we're not going without. And it's right up what you're talking about. You keep carrying on about function. That's a lot like talking about production. You keep telling me how much of something you have or how much of something you can make. And the reality is it means nothing because I've never been without.
0: So So those are called, there's a description for all of those things. You're absolutely right. The, The acronym is RTBs. All of those points, how productive you are, how much magnesium is in your soil, how many tractors you have, how many stores you have, how many computers you have, say, habla espanol, the gas mileage, the the stitches per inch, all of that stuff, RTBs, reasons to believe. Most of us lead with those things. You should hire me because... I have a certification from the National Association of whatever. I have 18 trucks. We're open 24-7, 365. Instead, use those RTBs as the follow-up. You should hire me because you will feel better about yourself because I know how to do that. How do I know that? Because I have 18 trucks, because we're open 24-7, 365, because I'm certified by whatever. All of those RTBs are important. The problem is we lead with them. And your marketing, your branding, your messaging should not be like a bad blind date. Or you know, you know what it shouldn't be like? It shouldn't be like your Facebook page. Here I am being amazing. Here's another picture of me being amazing. Oh man, I went to Mexico, look at me, I'm amazing. You know the, the, the modern curse, may your life be only half as exciting as it looks on Facebook. Yeah. So, nobody cares, nobody wants that. Show me how I'm better I'm happier, I'm thinner, I'm smarter, I'm more successful because I listen to you. By the way, your show, the intro to your show says business tips, business information to help you be more prosperous, to help you, the listener, more prosperity. You didn't say because you have these beautiful blue eyes or because you have such a mellifluous voice or because you spent 97 years in the industry. You said in your intro, Listening to this show will make you, Mr. or Mrs. Listener, more prosperous. That's the message. First off, let's just make sure that the listener
1: to this podcast right now says, wait a minute, Turkell just gave a big boost to the Do Business Better podcast by Damian Mason. And and you're right, by the way, I appreciate you noticing that. It's what I do. Dear listener, you know what? What we're talking about here also is you. Now, while I don't make money with this podcast, I am putting it out here as a means of promotion for what I do and it's very important that I understand that you tune into this because there is something for you again it's not about the function that I I know how to record a podcast that I know a little bit about business well sure I do but it's all about you ideas inspiration, insights, information, you can apply to your business. So that's what we we're talking about here. Uh, Bruce Turkel, in case you somehow just dropped your Coke and, and, and forgot, uh, is my guest. And again, you can find him at bruceterkel.com. His latest book is called All About Them. I'm reading it myself. Bruce and I have known each other for a while, but I just actually picked up his book and I'm reading it myself, All About Them, which is a, the marketing mantra your business should go with. Consumers care about themselves. Your customers care about themselves. And then you might say, you're listening to this podcast saying, I don't know. They also seem to be caught up in these causes. Like, for instance, my, uh, my customers came in and asked me, do I donate to any charity? Well, that doesn't have to do with them. Well, sure it does. That means that they value those things. And the reason they donate to those things is because it makes them feel good. And they want to do business with organizations that are also civic-minded or charitably inclined. Am I right, Bruce?
0: absolutely the whole concept of purpose purposeful marketing is to connect your business with purposes that tell your customer hey i'm like you i think like you i care like you i support what you like i mean let's face it go to business school business school they will tell you the reason a business exists is to increase shareholder value it does not exist to fix the world, save the world, create charitable donations. However, those charitable donations, that ability to change the world, to fix the world, to create sustainable business, to design lead certified housing or whatever, adds significant business value when the consumer looks at it and says, I like that. And more importantly, when the consumer doesn't say it to themselves, but they feel good about it. They get a sense that by doing business with you, they therefore are telling the world that those things matter to them.
1: Okay, by the way, I like that. And this gets to be another thing. A lot of the folks listening to this podcast might be saying, uh, you know, people always ask me when I'm going to retire. I don't know. I mean, maybe obviously you're a few years older than me and, and I'm 49. I've had people, and it tends to be more folks that have your basic job or maybe government employment, and they say things like, well, when are you going to retire? And it seems like there's a group of folks that have normal jobs that that's what they focus on is, when can I retire? And I say, first off, what would I do? Secondly, I kind of like what I do now. And thirdly, if you're young and you have some energy and you want to do something, then they say, well, you could just go and volunteer. And just like you said about when you run your business, if you are charitably inclined, and this is going down a little bit of a different path here, I realize, but why wouldn't it be smart for me just to still keep doing my business? I can go and ladle out soup down at the soup kitchen, or I can just run my business. And when I do business, right, I have a marketing and ad agent person that makes $50,000 a year off of me. I have uh, airlines that I support. I have the postal service that uses, I have the printer. I have a lot of spin-off that actually I think is charitable as well. So those are benefits of running one's own business that we sometimes don't think about. I am a cog in the global economy, and so are you.
0: Well, I would look at it a different way. Uh, I have two different comments on that, But, but the second one where you're suggesting that by doing these things, you are then part of the furnace of the economy and you're keeping things rolling, that's all absolutely true. But your point about ladling out soup at the soup kitchen, which is a noble and important job, but the bigger noble, more important job is what the soup kitchen does in general, which is it's feeding, a community that can't afford to feed itself. If you walk in there and you're ladling soup, you are essentially giving them the the value of your time at a minimum wage activity, right? Because they could bring people in at minimum wage to ladle soup. But if you went into a soup kitchen and said, listen, my name's Damian Mason. I'm a business consultant. I understand how to do business better. That's what I do. I would be more than happy to stand on that soup kitchen line and ladle soup. I think that's a great activity. But that's a minimum wage activity. I can give you my $100 an hour, $200, $1,000 an hour, whatever it is you charge for consulting by working with your people to make your business more efficient. I'll do it at no charge. That's my charitable contribution. You want my hours standing behind a line talking to people? I'm happy to do it. You want my hours spent giving hot soup to people who need to be fed? I'm happy to do it. But maybe you'd prefer that I work with your admin staff to show them how to be more efficient. That way, you're taking the value of what you bring to the table you're making their lives better, but the economic exchange is even more valuable.
1: Uh, you did say one little tiny misstatement there. You said
0: that I would agree to ladle soup and talk to people. Ladling soup, yes. Yeah, you talk, talk to people. I forget. But I don't, I, I don't know that your listeners know that. I don't think we have to get into your psychological issues here. I don't talk to people. I I'm actually fairly introverted. Ass. I only talk if I'm being paid to do so. So anyway, we'd have to charge for that. Yeah, I, I think I would edit that out of this uh, This interview.
1: No, I think it's going to stay. Bruce, answer me this. Now, talking about the soup kitchen, and you said something about uh, folks that can't afford themselves. You've got a great illustration in your book all about them, about you taking a 20-year-old television, a beautiful, wonderful television that was barely used to the uh, Goodwill, and they didn't want it. And the reason they didn't want it was because the clerk at the Goodwill said, sir, even poor people have flat screen TVs. Doesn't this get back to then the idea that you started this whole show with, function versus brand? TVs work well. We've got really good TVs compared to when you and I were kids and you had to go over and tap the side of it and hold on to it and point to the you know Saturn and, and uh, put a coat hanger on it and aluminum foil. So products generally do work pretty well. Now, we can always say, oh, they don't build them like they used to, but that's a lot of nonsense. If everything works, what's the differentiator?
0: Well, good point. Everything works. When was the last time you had a TV that didn't work? I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that Radio Shack went out of business just about the same time we no longer had to buy rabbit ears. I'm just saying, I don't know if that's uh, factually correct, but it makes sense. So what is the difference? It used to be that a Volvo or a Mercedes was a better automobile. They would go 250,000, 300,000, 500,000 miles, right? Other cars did not. And when you paid cash for an automobile, either you walked into the dealership and you counted off the hundreds, or you wrote them a check, or you even financed it, but you were financing it with a bank loan, it made sense to buy a car that lasted for half a million miles if you would drive it that long. But two things changed. Number one, the way we buy cars changed. Most people today lease cars, at least expensive cars, and therefore, what do you care what happens to the car after three years? You leased it for three years, you're going to take the key back, and the only thing you care about is that you get a nicer car for a lower monthly rate, And number two, once computers started both designing cars and managing cars, all cars work. Mercedes, benzes and Volvo's were better automobiles. Today, you cannot convince me that a Mercedes-Benz is better at function, getting me from point A to point B, than a Kia, a Hyundai, or anything else. Therefore, the car companies realize that if they're going to continue to sell us cars, they have to sell something different. And what they do is they sell a brand. So a Toyota stands for something very different than a Honda, a Kia, a BMW, a Cadillac, a Ford, a Chevy, stand for. And you know that, by the way, because you have guys who listen to your show that drive BMWs and will not drive Mercedes or buy Ford F-150s and will not buy Silverados or vice versa. And it's got nothing to do with the product. Guy says, I'm a Chevy man. I'm a Ford man nothing to do with the product they'll say it's because
1: they'll say it's because of some quality differentiator
0: yeah but they're wrong it's not true
1: they're saying it because that is what they want to believe their logical side kicks in but you're saying it's an emotional tie to the brand we buy
0: based on emotion we justify with fact blind taste tests blind service tests prove this time and time again you know that wine experts have been fooled with blindfolds, not just between expensive wine and cheap wine, but between white wine and red wine. If you put red food coloring in white wine, people do not know. Now we talk about, we buy it because of the terroir and uh, it's a long nose and a short finish and it sits on your tongue and blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, I read an article once about the wine crowd that said that uh, when they get beyond about three tastes, that the, an actual physiological—yeah—you can't uh, taste anything anyways. That that some it was a, uh, done by like people that just study flavor and and said the human tongue, the human palate can really only discern about three flavors at the same time at most. When they say it's nutty with flowers and hints of coffee and then a dash of ginger, they're
0: full of crap. Well, go with vodka. First of all, by law, vodka is odorless, flavorless, and colorless. That's the legal description. It's a chemical. So now, but vodka, people will tell me, oh, no, no, no. I drink Tito's. I drink Stoli. I drink Kettle One. Okay, maybe you can tell. I can't argue that with you. Until you mix it with orange juice. Orange juice is an acid. Once you mix it, you ain't tasting the vodka. Or you mix it with tonic. Tonic is alkaline. Once you mix them, your tongue is doing other things. This minute you drip something in it, you add an ice cube, you put something in, you're not consuming the product anyways.
1: So the difference, okay, the difference, and I posted about the vodka thing while they're trying to differentiate. So what's this takeaway? What's a takeaway for the person listening to this podcast right now? It says, okay, Damien, okay, Bruce, there's no difference between vodka. What is it? Well, it's marketing, it's branding, and that's your expertise. So what should this person do that runs a fitness facility or owns a franchise
0: subways or has a dry cleaners? What should we do? understand their customer. Way, way back, way, way back. What did Stoli say? You remember Stolich Naya? They had a a tagline. Stolich Naya, it'll leave you breathless because you and I hear that and we think, oh, breathless. It's so good that it takes your breath away. You know what it was for? It was for people who wanted to drink at lunch.
1: Yeah, so they could go back to work and not work smell and you like alcohol. Smelling
0: on their breath. Breath, breath was breath was meant that they wouldn't get fired because they wouldn't smell like booze. I'm not suggesting that's a noble or a good thing to do. What I'm saying is they understood their audience. And if you are running the gym, running the feedlot, running the dry cleaner, running the art supply store, whatever it is, understand your customer. The gym member wants to be in shape and be thin, but as the gym owner, you know. The guys who get there at five in the morning or the guys who get there at seven and show up four times a week and do their stuff, they're the ones that lose weight. They're the ones that get in better shape. You don't need to market to them, by the way. They're showing up anyways. There's yeah, you they're what we call the barbed wire crowd. You circle the gym in barbed wire, and at 5 45 in the morning, that guy is inside working out. Yeah. You have to sell to the people who think they want to do that. And you do that by selling to their aspirations. By the way. Political candidates do this all the time, and I don't need to take sides, but I can, you can name a candidate that's pop, you know, popular to their following, and I can show you exactly how they did it, and it's not based on the issues, because let's face it, most people do not follow the issues. They follow the image, and they follow what the image, the bumper sticker on the back of my car or my truck, what that says about me. Bruce turkell has
1: been my guest and he's going to be back because he's a friend of the show and a friend of mine. He's got a lot of good stuff. And we always strive to give you good information. You can use ideas that you can apply to your own business. We talked about function versus brand. This is very critical. Are you leading with 18th century thinking, telling your customers and the marketplace what your function is? Be done with that. It's already a given that your function should be there. Function equals the cost of entry. Bruce Kel said that. Understand your potential customer, not just your customer now, but the potential customer. The gym, like he said, you could surround it with barbed wire and your current customers that are there five times a week are still going to get in. What about your potential customer? The one that you'd have to go out and harness and tie up with barbed wire to get them to come in. How can you get them to come in? You do that by reminding them of you are what you consume. And again, he talked about RTBs. Again, RTBs, Bruce, mean Reasons to believe. And everybody already uses those. And then there's no real difference in function, let's face it. So what's it come down to? Leave, it'll leave you breathless. So you want to leave your customers breathless? How do you do that? Bruce, closing thoughts.
0: Understand your customer. Understand, more importantly, their aspirations. Understand who they want to be. Demonstrate how doing business with you will get them there. If you can do that, you will change the interaction, you will change the relationship, and most importantly, you'll add significant value to your function.
1: That's a wrap, I think, right there. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining me on the Do Business Better podcast. Understand your customers' aspirations and appeal to that. That was from Bruce Terkel. Check him out at Brewsterkell.com Until next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast.